Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. It just now settled in with some people. Acts chapter number 20 tonight, if you'll stand in honor to the, to the word of the Lord. Acts 20 and verse number 28, going to start continuing our series on the book of Acts. Acts 20, verse number 28, going to begin reading there and uh, see where we go from here tonight. Finish out chapter 20. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. Just want to preface something here. The apostle Paul is talking to the elders from Ephesus, those leaders from Ephesus. So these are the words he's telling them. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Tonight, I want to entitle our teaching tonight, I'm going to use the King James Version language. I want to teach, take heed. Now, the, the, the modern day language would be this, pay attention. All right, pay attention. But there are six things here that the Apostle Paul spoke to these elders that they needed to take heed to or pay attention to. Number one, yourself. Number two, remember they're overseers leadership of the church to all the flock to the wolves to the wolves in sheep's clothing what you've heard take heed to what you've heard and take heed to God and his word amen I'm going to pray this evening to the Lord touch our minds give us understanding through his word father I love you tonight I'm praying oh Lord that you would grant us understanding in this place as we look at your word one more time God, I pray, oh, Lord, they are the words of life. I pray, Jesus, tonight, God, that you're able to help us, Lord, to learn something, God, be able to apply it, Lord Jesus, to our own lives. God, help those, Lord, that God operate in leadership roles and capacities. And God, not only them, but God, those that do not, Lord, it's applicable for each and every one of us, these things that we must pay attention to. God, and I thank you and praise you for the love and name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen, amen. Church, say amen. Shake a hand with somebody before you're seated tonight. Amen. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk going on before church. A lot of people visiting. Felt like I was at a reunion. Amen. It's just all kinds of. Amen. <laughs> so the apostle Paul tells these leaders, these Ephesian elders. Remember, Paul's on the verge of departing, so he's going to be out of pocket. They are not going to see his face anymore. And so someone's going to have to take, 
take up the slack, take the responsibility to do perhaps what he had done. And so he just comes out of the gun with two things. First of all, he says, you're going to have to take heed to yourself and then to the flock. And Paul, in just last week, we looked at Paul and he began to summarize his own manner of life among them. How he did not take anything from them, but he tried to tell them the truth. He didn't try to hide any of that from them. He dispelled to them the whole counsel of God. And so now he's admonishing these men that's going to be left with this job and responsibility of caring for the church to do the same. He basically tells them that the Holy Ghost had set them, this leadership, over the flock, otherwise known as the church. The Holy Ghost has set them over the church and they needed to feed the flock or feed the church. He's using, he's using language that they can identify with, sheep and a shepherd and feeding, but he's putting that and applying that to the church and the people. And he also wanted to underscore that they didn't need to take their responsibility to the church and to the people lightly, that they need to feel the burden and the weight of caring for the people. And he underscores why they need to feel the weight of taking care of the people. Because he told them God bought the church with his own blood. God bought the church with his own blood. For that matter tonight, if you really begin to think and ponder about it, the church is the only thing that God ever purchased. There is not one time in the scripture we see that he purchased a moon or a star or that he purchased the dirt or a fowl of the air or the beast of the field. For that matter, he didn't even purchase humanity. All of those things he created by either his own word or by his very own hands. But the church is the only thing God ever purchased. And the purchase price was his own blood. And so Paul wants them to know, don't take it lightly that you are overseers or responsible for the church at Ephesus or these other places he established churches because this is the very thing that God purchased with his own blood. Amen. So it's important. He wanted them to know it was important how they interacted with the church. And again, I'm not talking about a, a literal building of carpet and sheetrock and all of that, but I'm talking about a group of people, as Peter says, that were a bunch of lively stones built up into a spiritual house. When we burned down the building, we still got a church. <laughs> the reality of the matter, you, you take away all the fabric and all of the material that make up this building, there's still a church because the church are the people within the building. The church is made up of the people and so we must be careful and Paul wanted them to know that they must be careful how they interact with the only thing that God ever bought and so he comes to them there in verse 28 and he tells them as leaders as overseers and for that matter it is applicable to anyone he says you all need to take heed or you need to pay attention to thyself or yourself because the fact of the matter is this. Let's just use some common reasoning here. You really can't help too many people if you're in total disarray yourself. It's kind of like getting the cart before the horse. 
you know, that's the reason, one of the reasons why if you've ever flown on an airplane, they are going through all, the, uh, everything that you're supposed to do that in a case of those oxygen masks come down, what they tell you? First, get it on your own face and then you help somebody else. Because in the process of helping somebody else, you might lose it altogether. And so you're not going to be of any, any good to anyone unless you concentrate upon yourself first. Paul has this idea that goes throughout the epistles. He states in 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 16, a letter that he wrote to Timothy. He says, Paul speaking to Timothy, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save, look, thyself and them that hear thee. He says, if you pay attention to this, you're going to safeguard yourself, but you will also safeguard those that hear you. And so if you are in a position of leading people, you must take heed or pay attention to yourself. Now, I'm not talking about being arrogant and egotistic, none of that. But I'm saying you've got to be mindful about your own life, uh, disciplines in your own life, because people are following your lead. I know that's scary. <laughs> On some days, that's more scary than others. But there's people that's following your lead. And here's, here's the brass tacks of it. Even if you don't have a title that states that you are a leader, everybody in this room in some way has influence over someone. Amen. So you've got to take heed to yourself. Matthew 15 told us, he says, if the blind lead the blind, can anybody finish that for me? That's right. They both shall fall into the ditch. And so that, that is even why in the Old Testament we see this pattern gathered also in the Old Testament. That's why in the Old Testament, whenever we considered the priest of the Old Testament, uh, there was greater sacrifices that were required of the priest than was required of the common man. And the reason being is because that priest had influence. He was a leader of the common man. James even says in James chapter 3, and verse number one, it says, My brethren, be not many masters, teachers, leaders, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, James says, whenever you put yourself or you are put in a row of being a master or a teacher or some type of leader, know that you're going to be under an eye of scrutiny. You're going to be under an eye of of judgment, that word condemnation means you're going to be called into question because you are a leader. It just comes with the territory of being a master or a leader. And so take heed, he's telling these Ephesian elders, take heed to yourself. But then secondly, he tells them in verse 28 also, take heed to all, everybody say all, all the flock, all the flock. Paul, the Apostle Paul, here in the latter portion of Acts, remember in the first half of Acts we dealt a lot with the Apostle Peter. Well, they concur back and forth. They, they, they balance each other. They state the same things. Amen. And so Peter, he agrees with Paul whenever he writes in 1 Peter concerning the matter of feeding the flock or paying attention to the flock. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 2, Peter is stating this. He says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, that's money, not for money, 
but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, speaking to the Lord Jesus Christ, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, here's the interesting thing. A flock, a flock, whether it is a gathering of sheep, that's called a flock. But do you know that a gathering of goats can be called a flock as well? As a matter of fact, the old statement the old timers used to say was this one. They said that you're supposed to feed the sheep and starve the goats. But that does not correlate well with Scripture. Because the Scripture says, feed the flock. And for that matter, how can you really starve a goat? They eat anything. I mean, you know, give, you say, well, I'll teach him. I'll give him a bunch of tin cans. Well, he'll be gone in the morning. You know, they'll eat virtually anything. And so here's the thing. Flocks, even if they are a mix of sheep and goats, that can still be considered biblically as a flock. So I would dare to say most, if not all, flocks that are among us are not purely sheep. Not, 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 the church overall is not just purely sheep. Uh, to some degree, I don't know what the ratio is, but to some degree, it's some ratio probably sheep, goats. Amen. And there may be some assemblies that may just seem like goats. I don't know. I'm not taking, taking a poll. Uh, but nevertheless, um, the ratio, though, or the chemistry then of the flock doesn't matter what it is. The mandate from the Apostle Peter and other places in Scripture as well is that we must feed the flock. All of the flock. Paul telling the Ephesian elders that they must oversee all the flock. Goat or sheep must offer care, must offer instruction by doctrine here according to Peter in 1 Peter 5 that he must offer instruction to them. Amen. And we don't do this. Here's what Peter tells them. He says, we don't look after the flock because somebody is forcing us to look after the flock. He says, we're not doing this because we feel trapped and we don't have anything else to do or we don't have any other skill sets to do anything else. He says, but we're not doing this by constraint, he said in 1 Peter 5.2. He says, but we're doing this willingly. He says, I'm doing this out of a, out of a call after feeling compelled to do so. There is a drive in me to do this, and there is an apparent need with the sheep and goats or whatever the ratio may be. There's an apparent need that they need someone to help them, and so I do it willingly, and the Bible tells us also that word again. You're not doing this for filthy lucre. You're not doing this for money per se. In other words, money should not be the motivation for caring for or feeding all the flock, both the sheep and the goats. He said, but it should be because you have a ready mind or you have a spirit or you have a passion, a passion to look after them. Amen? And I think this is one reason Paul, in his departing words to the leaders here of Ephesus, told them, he told them in verse 33, we didn't read it, but you can look at it in your Bibles. In verse 33, one of the reasons why he told them, he says, boys, he said, I've not coveted any man's silver. 
I'm not coveted any man's gold. I'm not coveted any person's apparel. For that matter, he tells them that whenever he was among them, that he ministered to his own needs and even the needs of those that were with him. Remember, he was a tent maker. Remember him joining Aquila and Priscilla. Amen. Helping them and endeavoring to work as a tent maker. He said, I didn't cover anything you had. He said, I just worked on my, I, I earned my own and I also gave to others. He said, whenever I was among you. And this may be the reason why the Apostle Paul did that. Because he did not want the people to think uh, because they lived in a culture where people took, took advantage of gatherings, guilds and people took advantage of them concerning having some type of money or doing it for, you know, a dishonest gain. But Paul didn't do that among them to set a precedent that this isn't what it's all about. It's about the flock. It's about the sheep. It's about the goats. It's about trying to do it with a passion, being driven to do it, doing it because it is well in the eyes of God to do so. Now, with that being said, I'll say this. It's not wrong for a salary to be given to somebody that operates in the ministry or a ministry team or other forms. It's not wrong. Paul told them in Corinthians and also in Timothy, he said, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. He also stated in other places that the laborer is worthy of his hire. Not saying that it's wrong for those things to take place. I'm just telling you if that's the motivation for caring, if that's the motivation for instructing, then that's the wrong motivation. It's in that mode that it becomes wrong. I'm not standing here motivated by money. I'm motivated by a call. I'm motivated by what I felt like God said, you come to this place and you become the pastor of this place and you teach and you admonish these people. That, that is what I am, but by I am motivated by. And so Paul was trying to establish among those that he ministered to, those that he ministered to, that leadership, that ministry wasn't driven by the money they received. Amen. And he was leaving them an example because he had worked hard, amen, as a tent maker. And he had helped those in need that was around him. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in verse 35 of Acts 20 that he recalls even hearing Jesus say at one time that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so Paul is trying to drive home that concept and that idea among a bunch of new converts in reality, uh, uh, among a bunch of people that... that, that, that much of this is totally foreign to them right now. They're just like little babes in Christ. They don't have all the knowledge that there is concerning, amen, the word of the Lord and the Lord himself. And so he's breaking it down. He's teaching them some principles that it's not all about money because driven in their society, that's what it was about. Remember D Demetrius the silversmith? It was all about their livelihood. It was all about the money that they were going to lose. If the temple of Diana, they didn't worship them anymore. So they were driven by that. Paul wanted them to know it's not driven by a monetary means. There's something higher than that. There's a motivation higher than that. And so in verse 29, so you're supposed to take heed to yourself, supposed to take heed to all the flock. All right? Number three, you are to take heed to the wolves. Sim just symbolic language he's using here. But language that they could identify with. Take heed to the wolves. You look at verse 29. Paul, the apostle Paul had a, had a hunch. He had a, he had a feeling. He knew that whenever he departed, he told them this. He was really being prophetic. He said, whenever I depart, wolves 
from without are going to come in whenever I leave. And he also knew the character of the wolves. He said these are grievous wolves. And he told them they will not spare the flock. In other words, these wolves from without that come in, they're not going to be able to coexist with the flock. There's several verses of Scripture throughout the Bible that give us some insight concerning the nature of wolves. Rather than just even going uh, to nature itself, there's verses of Scripture in the Bible that tells us about their nature. Wolves, for the most part, are nocturnal. In many places in the Scripture, they are referred to as evening wolves or a wolf of the evening. You can read of that in Jeremiah, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk. They are evening wolves. Wolves typically run in packs. They operate many times by stealth to seize their victims. Amen. But there's other times, rather than being stealth-like, they can be quite bold to seize their victims. They seem to be very cruel because oftentimes the wolf seeks out the weak, the old, the defenseless victim in order to take it. Ezekiel said it like this when he described this idea of wolves and was even likening some people to wolves. Ezekiel 22 and verse 27, he says, Her princes in the midst thereof are like, he's making a comparison, are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls and to get dishonest gain. So he's made a likeness here to wolves. He says they are ravening. Ravening, that means that they are ripping and tearing their prey. And when the blood begins to flow from the prey, all that does for a wolf is incite them to rip and to tear that much more with their powerful jaws. Wolves are, are, are known for their ability to walk long distance and have endurance in running. And secondly, they are known for their powerful Jaws, but know what Ezekiel says. He says they destroy the souls to get dishonest gain. And the major component that they use to do this, the success of their power, is their jaws, or might I say their mouths. Wolves come among the sheep and use their mouths to cut a lamb from the herd and get dishonest gain. And the danger of the wolf is that after they taste blood, they say they have a tendency of gorging themselves. And so with that being said, through our understanding then of the character of a literal wolf, we can understand what the Apostle Paul was trying to say and why he is so adamant telling these elders that listen, you got to be on guard because there's going to be people that are going to be similar to wolves that's going to come in among the church. And they're going to come in among the church and the way in which they are going to be effective and successful among the church members is by their mouth. By their mouth. So you, you got to be on guard against these type of people that would come in and use their mouth. People can be persuasive with their words. 
One of the things that we're on our Sunday morning on Proverbs, the seven things that God hates, one of those things is sowing discord among the brethren. Sometimes wolves enter the fold from the outside and they sow discord and by virtue of doing so, they cut a lamb, figuratively speaking, off from the church of the living God and it's because of their mouths. And it goes to show too, if the likeness is like a real wolf, once he does it once, he gets a taste for that blood and he'll do it again and again. So he's saying, elders, stand guard for the wolves that come from the outside into the foe. Once again, we could consider, if you will, the Apostle Paul caring for his own needs and for those that would be under his supervision, even in this instance. Because the Bible says in John 10, because we're talking about we're talking about these wolves that come in. The Bible says in John 10 and verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd, Jesus Christ speaking, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is an hireling, a hireling, basically means a wage worker, someone that you pay for their service, someone that's for hire, but he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, Seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. So we can look at this again. Paul said, I, I worked and I cared for my own. What's he, trying to, what's he trying to show here? He says, you old guys, you're going to have to watch whenever the wolves come in. And he says, I'll tell you, if we can bring John in here, I'll tell you what's going to put the, the demarcation of whether or not you're truly someone that cares for the flock or if you're just someone that's motivated by money. It's that whenever the wolf comes in, do you tuck tail and run or do you stand flat-footed and say, no, that type of stuff's not going to happen here because you're motivated by your passion for the foe rather than by a monetary good. So Harlan don't care for the sheep. He says, but a shepherd does. He won't leave them whenever that type of nonsense is taking place. Amen. Someone say Amen. So a shepherd, a shepherd or a hireling is known based upon how they react when the wolf approaches the foe. If he flees, probably a hireling. He was probably there for the money and not for the sheep. Matter of fact, he probably didn't even care. Perhaps never did for the sheep. So take heed to these things. Yourself, all the flock, wolves, Number three, verse 30 of Acts 20. Take heed, and now I'm kind of breaking uh, verse 30 here down for you. It says, also of your own self shall men arise speaking perverse things. He's speaking that there's going to be people among them already in the flock that's going to arise and start speaking perverse things, twisted things. These are the wolves that are not from without, but the wolves that are from within. The wolves of like what I like to term it, take heed to the wolves that are in sheep's clothing. Huh. This would probably be perhaps the most surprising thing that the elders would have to pay attention to. For people that are right there at that moment in time, among them, under the guise of a sheep, under the guise of a 
church person that would actually be a ravening wolf. The Bible says in Titus 1 and verse 16, they, and you can look back at verse 15 to see who the they are, who the, these are. It's those that defiled the conscience, defiled the mind. He says, they profess that they know God. Sheep's clothing. Huh? They profess that they know God. Sheep's clothing, but in works, they deny him. Wolf. I'm not barking either. <laughs> Wolf. They're disobedient and to every good work, reprobate. In other words, Paul said, remember what Paul said? He said these type of people that are wolves in sheep's clothing, he said they'll speak perverse things. They'll rise up right from among you and they'll twist truth. They'll pervert truth. They'll leave just enough truth in there to scam you. They'll twist all the rest so that they could lead you astray. And the reason why, note now, note now, the reason why they will dilute or twist truth in verse number 30, look what he says. To draw away disciples after them. That's their purpose. That's the reason. To draw away disciples. Look at this correlation that the Apostle Paul also wrote to Titus. Titus 1 and verse 10. He said, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, which means the Jews. He said, among the Jews, he said, there are talkers, deceivers, amen, and some that are really among the circumcision. Look at verse 11. Whose mouths must be stopped. Remember what the power of the wolf is? It's in his jaws. It's in his mouth. He said, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert, is what these kind do, they subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not perverted things. For, what for? Filthy lucre's sake. They're doing it for dishonest gain. They're doing it for money. These wolves in sheep's clothing, they garner the trust of the fold and then they take them out with their mouth, with their words. Perverted truth, if you will. Spreading discord, if you will. They draw them away. They get their mode or group of disciples and they're hoping to get some type of dishonest gain as a result of it because what happens if you can even if it's perverted truth if you can increase disciples you'll increase money or increase filthy lucre folks can oh god help me just please be careful please be careful and don't just be laying your hand on some screen in your living room where your television is because somebody across that screen from you is telling you about how this and this is going to happen great in your life and you'll just sow a little thousand dollar seed money to the ministry. Amen. Everything's going to be all right. Please be careful. Because we, we, need to, we need to put them to the litmus test about whether they're shepherds or whether they are hirelings. And you better check their doctrine. You better check what they're teaching. Let, let's get... Man, I didn't mean to go here. But let's get real practical for a moment. Let's get real practical. 
If they say you sow $1,000 and you'll get your miracle, why can't they get their miracle in order to finance their ministry? I mean, if they can believe for your miracle, why can't they believe for theirs that God's going to finance their ministry? Now let's think. You've got to watch this. The Bible says, 2 Peter 2 and verse number 1, Peter warns the same thing. Again, him and Paul go back and forth. You see them many times speaking the same thing, warning the same thing, saying the same thing. And that's, that's the word of God for you. Amen. But there were false prophets also among the people. Wolves, sheep's clothing. Even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. Remember, the church is the only thing that he ever bought with his own blood. But even deny that. And bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Mind-blowing. Peter says there's going to come false teachers and false prophets among you. They'll even cause you to deny the very Lord that bought you. And these people will follow their pernicious ways. And we're thinking, how in the world can they follow them? How in the world can they succumb to their ways? But the reason is given in verse number 2. By reason of whom or the whom? Because these people, these people were people that were in the flock. These people were people that were in the fold. Amen. They garnered influential voices. They, they, it, would be like, it, it would be like me coming among you, having an influential, influential voice in your life, getting to know you, befriend you, do that for several years, and then all of a sudden start twisting truth a little bit of God's word perverting truth a little bit of God's word, some people wouldn't raise a hand because they trust more their relationship with me than their relationship with the word. Mm -hmm. And so these, these wolves in sheep's clothing come in and they can start swaying people because they form relationships. That's the reason why I ask pastor, I tell you, I'm so happy that you're loyal to me and that's great, fine and dandy, but please don't be more loyal to me than you are your God and then you are the word because you need to have... You need to have a strong hold on what is truth and what is right in spite. You need to test the things that come out my mouth and measure them according to this book. And if I start going the other way, the apostle Paul said, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. He did not want people to blindly follow him. The only reason he wanted them to follow him is if he was following the Lord. And the moment he stopped following God, they was going to have to just follow the Lord because he wasn't an example anymore to be followed. So, so how did they go succumb to this? Because these were people that were in the flock. They had voices of influence in the world or perhaps in the church world. If you will, they become just icons in their own flock. And they started with these false things, false doctrines and, and different things. And many followed because of their influence. The relationships they had forged with people. Even if the way they were going was wrong, they had come to trust the person. And so they find themselves, he said, they're going to follow the pernicious ways. Why? Because they're influenced more by the person than they are the biblical truth. 
Consider then the words of verse 19 as well. He says, these type, he said, they're calling you to liberty. He says, but they're bound by corruption. Watch it. Come on, let's be free. Let's get out of bondage. He said, they're calling you to liberty. He said, but they are bound by corruption. Corruption. Amen. 2 Peter 2, 19, that's where it states it. So here's verse 31. Something else we must take heed of. So take heed to yourself. Take heed to all the flock. Take heed to the wolves, those that are without. Take heed to the wolves in sheep's clothing, the wolves that are within. And then also, take heed to what you've heard. Paul says, therefore watch and remember. Acts 20, verse 31. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So he's just went through this list about these wolves without and within, and then he says, Watch and remember. Because I was warning you the whole time I was with you, crying. Remember what you heard from me. Remember what I said. Elders, the way that you're going to be able to discern these wolves that are without and within, you need to watch and remember what you heard from me. The message that I preached, the Christ that I purported, you need to remember. We had this over and over again in Scripture. This is not an isolated scenario. The Bible says in Hebrews 2 and verse 1, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. One reason why Wednesday night Bible study is important. It's one reason why anytime the word of the Lord is being discussed across a pulpit in a classroom, wherever, is important. Because those are words we all need to hear. And those are words, I know we say it all the time, but those are words that if someday the government or whatever happens ever takes away our Bibles, that those words will be hid in your heart. And they won't be able to take away from you. And you'll be able to bounce off what's coming down the pike. Whether or not the truth is the truth based upon what you've ingested. Don't let those things slip. So the only way that the elders could keep the sheep, if you will, or the church from being caught by the mouth of the wolves from without within was to constantly echo the words of the shepherd. Constantly echo the words of the word of God. The Bible also says in Hebrews 13 and verse number 7 and 8, it states these. It says, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Remember those that have the rule over you, who have, this is important, who spoken to you the word of God. You hearing me? Remember those who have the rule and who have spoken the word of God. Because many instances, things have been watered down to someone being a ruler or a leader, but all they're telling is all their stories. And they're not Bible stories. It's personal stories. Things that make people laugh, things that are humorous, things to engage that have no, no correlation with Scripture. You better remember the one that has rule and has spoken the word. 
That's the reason. I'm not. I'm just telling you. That's the reason why it's like, man, Brother McGee, you just walk through this Bible, you know, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Honey, I, I can't tell you anything better from my own life. This is as good as it gets right here. This is as good as it gets right here. Amen. And so they, they, they brought to them the, the word. Whose faith, look at it, verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 7 of Hebrews. Whose faith, speaking of those who have the rule, who speak the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. Verse 8, a lot of people quote, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So remember those who spoke the word of God to you. Right? Remember John 1, 1 tells us in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh in verse 14 of John 1. As Jesus Christ and walked among us, John said that Word became flesh. Paul says that Jesus, amen, is the same, that Jesus is that Word. It's an unwavering, unchanging Word, the Word of God. Amen. This Word is an unwavering, unchanging Word. Say, well, it's not relevant. It is relevant. It was relevant in the beginning. It was relevant during the judges. It was relevant during the kings. It was relevant during the dark ages. It was relevant for the New Testament church. And it's relevant for us now. It's unchanging. This word became flesh as the man Christ Jesus, which our scripture just says is the same. Yesterday, today, forever. This then is an unwavering word. This is an unchanging word. And he says, you consider those whose faith whose faith followed those people that preached the word, their faith followed considering the end of their conversation. It's not talking about when they quit talking. But conversation there in the Greek literally means considering the end of their behavior or the end of their lifestyle or their life. In other words, you know how those who spoke the word, you know how their lives ended. Hmm. You know what their behavior was. What their character was. Said consider the end of the matter. And that is what the elders are considering here. Because this is the last time they're probably going to see Paul. He told them you shall see my face no more. And so they're considering at this moment. Everything that Paul's already told them. Remember my manner of life. That's what he's just told. Remember my manner of life. I delivered the whole counsel of God. I didn't, do, I didn't hide anything from you. And so based upon you knowing my character, I didn't take anything from you. Based upon you knowing my, my behavior and my lifestyle, follow. Emulate. Emulate the same. Follow the same pattern of faith. Verse 32. We'll try to bring this thing home. Last but not least, verse 32, and let me read it. Get a sense for it. Acts 20 and verse 32. And now, brethren, based upon everything he's already said, Paul says to these Ephesian elders. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Lastly, of all these things we must pay attention to or give heed to, give heed, and I paired these together, give heed to God and his word. Matter of fact, Paul departing here, he could give no greater committal. He could give no greater commendation, commending to them than God and his word. Now, folks, I would love to go back 
in the other 20 chapters prior to this and go over all the times that I've talked to you about the importance of God and His Word in the book of Acts. But that's 45 lessons in the past. <laughs> we have a podcast. If you look us up on iTunes, First Apostolic Church, you can grab it. But we have concentrated a lot through this series on God and His Word, the importance of each of those, both of those for our individual lives. Amen. And so I just want to simply then in this verse to turn your attention to the perks, the perks of verse number 32 that are mentioned here. It says, because God and his word, this is what they're capable of. These are able to build up, which is a broken down way of saying they're able to edify. They're able to build up you and they're able to give you an inheritance. I like that. I don't know anybody that wouldn't want to be in somebody's inheritance. Even if you just got all the quarters that were in the can at the gas station, you know what I mean? I don't know of anybody that wouldn't like to be in someone's inheritance. You see, he'll give you an inheritance among the sanctified or among the separated people. So chapter 20 closes here. If you read, if you read the other verses, you see where I'm talking about money and so on and so forth. We've kind of weaved those into some of the other lessons, some of the other areas of this lesson. But chapter 20 closes with Paul. He's going to go down on his knee and he's going to pray for these Ephesian elders, hoping that what he has spoken to him, them, the lesson that he has taught them, that they are going to learn, that they are going to practice. And the Bible says that these Ephesian elders, they accompany him to the ship, the ship that he's going to leave on where they'll probably not see his face anymore. It says they are weeping. They are somewhat upset because they'll likely never see his face again. And if you can stand with me, I'll close with these words. Six things to take heed as leaders or pay attention to yourself, all of the flock, wolves, just denoting those that are without, wolves in sheep's clothing, those are those that are within. Take heed to what you've heard, take heed to what you've heard, and to God and his word. Now, this is just a little side note for me, okay? But I begin to think, Bishop, John said in the New Testament Scripture that Jesus was the Lamb of God. Right? He's going to take away the sins of the world. Jesus was the Lamb of God. On Calvary, he shed his blood. A lamb's blood was shed on Calvary that we learn in our lesson tonight was the purchase price for the church. It gives me a little understanding then why God may be so terribly upset for wolves, whether they be within or without, to come into the church he purchased with his blood and try to get a hold of a lamb. And shed blood. Because for a wolf to shed the blood of a lamb after Calvary. Is nothing but dishonest gain. Because it's unnecessary. Because it only took one lamb. To ever have blood shed. The perfect lamb of God. After Calvary. It's dishonest gain. For any other blood of any other lambs even maybe here tonight to be shed.
God's stamping down his foot through Paul's words. Don't let him come in and do that. Because there was a lamb that already had bloodshed for the purpose of the church. And to shed it now would be for no other purpose but for self-glory, dishonest gain. So take heed. If we embow our heads here tonight, take heed. Pay attention. Pay attention. If you're a leader in this church, you need to pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to the flock. Pay attention to the wolves. If you're not a leader in this church, you're leading someone. You have some, you have some circle of influence in your life. You, you influence people. You need to take heed to yourself. You need to take heed to those that are around you. You need to take heed to those that would like to come in and destroy the circle of friends and the camaraderie that you have among the people of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to not let the things that you have heard things that you're even hearing to hear tonight you need not you need to not let those things slip you need to not let them falter or slip through your fingers as sand you need I commend to you as Paul commended to those elders I commend to everybody I commend to you God and his word God and his word you can be built up through that you can be edified through that you can secure a place of inheritance through God and through his word. Hallelujah. If we can begin talking him to the mason, we can just get together, hear a song here in the closure of this service. I want to open this altar tonight. If there's anybody that's sitting in the sound. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.